Well, good morning. I'm so excited to be here with you guys. Um, I am from Grace Midtown, and so it feels like I'm visiting family today, which is just amazing. Um, I, I have a picture I want to show you of my own family quickly. If it, does it pop? Do we have it? Oh, there they are. We were at the beach recently. So these are my three kids. Someone was asking, how is it? Because we have an age three, five, and seven. That's my husband, Mark, over here. I made him sit in the front. Um, poor guy. And um, we have a three, five, and seven. Someone said, how, how is that? I'm like, so loud. Like, it's so loud. I don't know. It's like, that's just my life right now. Um, but it's amazing. So they're actually downstairs right now, which was fun. We got to bring them today, but I'm so, so, so excited to get to talk to you guys, and um, I want to start just by letting you get to know a little bit about me. Um, so my husband and I have been married for almost 11 years in September, and we just have this great story of how we first got connected, because at the time, we were living in a community uh, about an hour north of Atlanta, and we were friends, but we didn't really know each other too well. And it was a bunch of like Christian singles all living in intentional community together. So there was a lot of like couple watching, you know, like who's hanging out a little bit too much with who. And, um, and so in all of that, there was a lot of chatter that would go on about who we're catching having a longer lunchtime with or whatever. And so I had heard through the grapevine that my now husband, so there's a spoiler to it, it does work out, but that he was interested in my roommate, and, um, but I was great with that, because my roommate was awesome, and so uh, on one day, though, Mark asked me if I wanted to go to dinner with him that night, and I just put it in my head. I am actually a very perceptive person. I know you don't know this about me, but I don't usually miss it so much, but I put it in my head that, oh yeah, he just... He wants to get to know me because he really likes my roommate. And so, sure, I'll go to dinner. She was out of town. I'm like, yeah, if you want to get to know her, I'll tell you about her. So we were going to go meet at dinner. But something else going on was that I was also very committed to my 5 p.m. boot camp ladies. I had a boot camp class, and I wanted to go to this boot camp. I was not missing this. And so I'm like, this is so great. I'll go to boot camp, and then I'll just go to dinner right afterwards, and we'll have dinner. And so I walk in to have dinner with him the first time we've ever had dinner dinner, and I am sweaty. I am like straight up from the gym, and I walk into this dinner with Mark, and Mark is, that's when he'll tell you, like, we, I knew, like, we were missing it with each other, you know, and I just didn't see him. Like, I knew him as a certain person, but I didn't think that that's what this was, um, and so thank God for Mark's persistence. He will tell you persistence can get you a long way in relationships, uh, and so, and obviously God just did an awesome thing, but when I think about relationships so often, and one of the common ways we miss it is we just don't see the person for who they are. And we can just come into um, communities or in relationships with people, and we have an idea of who they are. Or their actions tell us something about them, but we're not actually seeing them for who they really are. And I think oftentimes when it comes to um, familiar people and familiar places that we can actually not be aware of what God is doing in the midst of us because we're so used to those people or those places. What I mean is that God's new or sudden or unprecedented thing he may be doing, we can just not see it because we're just doing as we've always done. 
We're just hanging around with the people we've always hung out with. And, and so what can happen if we're not attentive to it is that familiarity with people or places can actually dull our awareness of God's activity. We're just like not aware. And when I thought about, they said, well, we're talking about uh, waking up to God. And when I thought about waking up to God, I think it's not merely just opening our eyes but is actually getting such an awareness of what God is doing in the midst around us. Like, Lord, what are you actually doing? And so I just wonder, are you seeing in your life what God is up to? Or are things just as they always are? You know, routine can be great until all of a sudden it starts to dull us from really being aware to what God is doing. And so I want to talk to you about that today. And I'm going to take you to one of my favorite scriptures. It's in Mark chapter 5. Um, and let me pray. and We'll dive right in. And so Jesus, I do just pray in this space. I'm so honored and grateful to be here. And I just pray, Lord, that you would just take every bit of of these words and of our time together, and that it truly would just be filled with your presence and your glory, and that, God, you would um, transform our lives, that you would wake us up and be aware to where you are and how you're moving in our everyday lives. I ask that, Jesus. I ask that we go from here just with fresh, real encounters of you in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. So here's our scripture. It's Mark chapter 5. Verse 21, it says that when Jesus had again crossed over by the boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the lake. Then one of the synagogue rulers named Jairus came there. Seeing Jesus, he fell at his feet and pleaded earnestly with him, my little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. So Jesus went with him. A large crowd followed and pressed around him, and a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had, yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Immediately, her bleeding stopped, <clears throat> and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. At once, Jesus realized that power had gone out from him. He turned around in the crowd and asked, Who touched my clothes? You see the people crowding against you, his disciples answered, and yet you ask, Who touched me? But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet, and trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. He said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. Can I have my water? Thank you. In real life, as real life would have it, my kids, I am on the other side of it, but my kids love to take mom down with all of their germs. They love to do this. Um, so anyway, I have a little bit of cough on the other side of it. But... <clears throat> Here, the first thing we learn in Mark 5 is that um, there's a man named Jairus, and Jairus was a synagogue ruler. And Jesus was on the move in this moment. He'd crossed over the, uh, the lake, and he had this crowd around him, and Jairus comes to him. 
And what, a syn- what Jairus was as a synagogue ruler, it meant that uh, a community of elders had appointed him and entrusted him with the oversight of a synagogue. And so he wasn't, um, he was like a lay person, a volunteer leader who had a lot of influence and position. He, he carried a high position, but where we find him is in this really low point. His daughter is dying. And so even though he had all this influence, he was quite desperate in this moment, and he falls at Jesus' feet, and he pleads with Jesus, would you please do this? And Jesus says yes, and as he goes, this says he'll go with him, and we read that this large crowd um, is pressing against Jesus. And I want to just pause for a second here because at the beginning of this whole story, what we find is that in front of Jesus is the important person and the pressing crowd. And I think, aren't those two things that so often grab our attention in life? Like, um, important people, when they show up in your life or in a moment that you didn't expect them to, you just wake up. And I was thinking about a moment in my own life that this has happened. And back when I was in college, I went to school in New York City for my freshman year. And at the time, Backstreet Boys were the thing, okay? Some of my people are in here as far as we grew up at the same time. They were it. And I just remember this one moment, I'm in a department store heading up an escalator, totally zoned out. And all of a sudden, I see one of the Backstreet Boys on the escalator going down. And I woke up in that moment. You know what I mean? It is like important will just grab your attention. Um, I think about in my life now, with three kids that are just so active, they'll often ask me things like, Mom, will you play Legos with me? Will you go outside with me? Will you read with me? Can we do hide and seek? I mean, just the constant things. And I'll think, uh, I'll find myself saying a lot, just being a human. I'm like, yes, but um, I just have this important task I have to do. Like, there's just, like, this important message I need to get to that there's one important thing, and then mom will be right there. And because important will often dictate our choices because it grabs so much of our attention. And so on one hand, there's the important person in front of Jesus, but also in front of him is the pressing crowd. Like, there are literally people who are pressing against Jesus in the middle of where he finds himself right now. And I was thinking practically, how does this play out in our lives? And, you know, the crowd, for Jesus, as they're pressing against, for him to go against them would have required a lot of resistance. It was so much easier to just to stay where they wanted him to stay and go where they wanted him to go. But to go against it, he would really have to um, assert some resistance in that moment. And how that often plays out in our lives is we'll just go with what everyone else is going because it's just what they're doing. And so we're just looking around at everyone and we're like, oh, okay, so that's the direction my life is supposed to take or that's the rhythm I'm supposed to set to my days or, oh, this is how parenthood looks like or, oh, well, that's how your marriage looks. So I guess this is the rhythms I should put in my, my life. And, and so, so often the crowd in our own lives can be that pressure to just go in the same direction at the same pace, um, with the same rhythms as everyone else. And so what we find ourselves not doing then is considering what God is saying to us because we're just being pressed by what everyone else is doing. And the truth is that when we are so caught up in who or what we think is important or who or what we feel is pressing against us, we often miss what God is highlighting. 
what God actually wants to do in our lives. And so in this moment, I want you to just see that this account begins with Jesus affronted by importance and pressure. Both of those things that just so often dictate how we live our days, how we make our decisions, and how we just keep going with how things are. And yet in the face of it, in the face of position, in the face of direction, Jesus was so awake to what it was his father was doing. He, he was awake enough to sense, oh no, God is doing something in this moment. Because what we read is that there was a woman. And this is such an in- intentional contrast between Jairus, the synagogue ruler, and then there was a woman. And this woman, we learn, was, had an issue of, of blood, that she, was, um, she had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. And the King James Version literally translates it as she had an issue. She was a woman with an issue. And yet this issue of bleeding that she had for 12 years wasn't something that any of us would have known about because it wasn't external to be seen. It's not like my kid who they skin their knee and I know that they're bleeding. She was hemorrhaging. And so what that means is that there she was out in the middle of this whole crowd and privately she was suffering. It wasn't something public. It was very internal and unseen. And I think a lot of us can know what it feels like in life to find yourself in spaces like this where you're surrounded by a crowd, but you're really suffering. And so you, you put on the face, you, you show up in the place, you, you, you get dressed, and I actually think that's really honorable a lot to show up even when the stuff on the inside is, is real, and it's difficult, and there are health struggles or relational strains or disappointment or grief or sorrow, and I know that there are people in this room who internally where we can't see, there's that real stuff that's happening. And this woman, here she is in the middle of the crowd, but she's bleeding, she's bleeding. And in fact, not only is she bleeding, but verse 26 tells us that she's trying all the things. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors. She had spent all she had, and no matter where she went or what she tried, she just grew worse. She just grew worse. And in the middle of this, um, it tells us that she heard about Jesus. I just think that's so beautiful. She heard about him, and yet hearing alone doesn't transform our lives. She heard about Jesus, but then she had to decide to do something because of what she heard. And this is so important because healing can't come just from us sitting somewhere and hearing. She had to get up and move in order to heal, and I think so often there are seasons in our lives where we actually have to get up and do something because of what we've heard in order to tap into that place of healing. And so here's this woman, and it was time for her to move, to heal. And verse 29 tells us that immediately as she did this, she reached out and grabbed the the hem of uh, Jesus' cloak, and immediately the bleeding stopped. And she felt in her body that she had been healed. And yet the question is, well, what prompted her to do this? There she is in this crowd. It's been 12 years. What prompted her to reach out and grab? And and I think this just becomes so real and practical for us. It's because of what um, verse 28 says. She thought. 
did you catch that? She thought, if I just do this, I'll be healed. And I love this because I don't know about you, but in my life, thoughts are rapid fire through my brain. I am like always having another thought. And not every thought is going to land in my life, and not every thought am I going to do something with. And so I have to make choices in my life of what are the thoughts that I actually act on. And in, on this day, this ordinary day for this woman, she had this thought that maybe today could be different from every other day. And so because of this thought, she did differently because she thought differently. And so she reached out and she grabbed Jesus and she experienced healing like she had never experienced before. And so just as her bleeding was so private and unseen, so was this thought. No one could see the thought she had, but she decided as it came through her mind that day that she could maybe just grab hold of it. Let it just remain a little bit longer. And as it did, that maybe something different could come from it. And where I want to land with you as we're talking about relationships is really in what happens next. Because Jesus teaches us so much about what it means to show up and lean in in our everyday relationships as they are with the people around us. Because this account was, there's on one hand the faith of this woman. She, she thought differently, so she did differently, so she experienced as she never had for 12 years. But then on the other hand, there was Jesus and his response in this moment. The total of that really does make this account what it is. And, and this is what happens. Verse 30 tells us that after she has reached out, verse 30, at once Jesus realized that power had gone from him. He turned around in the crowd and asked who touched me. There was this moment where Jesus turned from what was important and what was pressing to what was taking place in that place in this moment, that he was awake enough to realize that something had just happened. He felt power leave from him, but he didn't just recognize that something was going on. He actually turned his attention to see what was going on. And I just felt one of the questions God wanting me to ask today is, um, is this in your life, what does it mean for you to turn? And I just wonder for some of you, it's time to turn. Because what can happen is we can get so caught up and I just need to get to that point in my life. I just need to attain those goals. I just need to have those things and then everything is going to be set. But what happens is we can become so fixated on all of those places that we miss the relationships around us, the ones we know and the ones we don't, that God is actually wanting to do something in the middle of our lives. I just wonder, are you turnable? Are you turnable? Because what does it really matter if you attain all the things and accomplish all the goals and prizes, but you miss the moments of God at work in your midst? Because you're just so focused on getting there that you were numb to what God was doing here. Jesus felt, I just think what a marker of being awake in the middle of his day. He felt that power had left him, and so he turned. And what I love about how Jesus consistently ministered was that he, he was always aware. He was always present. And he was interruptible. And I just wonder, are you, are you interruptible in your everyday to the person that God may be highlighting? 
And when you feel that something is happening, what does it look like for you to turn? To turn away from that thing you are so set on doing to see who it is that's around you. And so how aware are you when you feel that God is doing something? I wonder, I wonder if you could ask yourself that. And are you willing to turn from what is important and what is pressing to participate in what God is doing? Jesus turned. The second thing that happens is that he asked, asked the question, who touched my clothes? And then it says, um, it says this, that, um, the, that um, verse 32, that Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. And so not only did he turn, but he was looking to see. And the disciples think this is just the most ridiculous question because they're like, don't you see this entire crowd? What do you mean, who touched you? But Jesus wasn't looking at the crowd. He was looking for the one. He knew that there had been one who had touched him. And when I think when we're talking about intentionality and relationships, there's the turning that's so necessary. And then there is the looking to see who it is that is in front of you. Because we're so prone in life to see people for what they can give us or what they can do for us. And we can get so caught up in the crowd of people that we miss actually seeing the one person. And yet I'm so convinced that this is such a marker of maturity and faith. What does it mean to be deep and, and, um, and rooted in Jesus in real life? I think it's not that we're producing and attaining and accomplishing all the things in the name of Jesus, but I think it actually is that we carry this deep conviction and rhythm in our lives that says, I'm willing to slow down and stop and see the person who is in front of me for who they are. I just wonder, are you seeing people? For who they are. I think this spans to every relationship of our lives. I think about the people you disciple or mentor. Do you see them for who they are created by God? I think this is for our spouse. This is for our kids. This is for our parents. Can you see people? Not what you think they are, not what you need from them, but for who they are in this moment. And then I think this spans to all the relationships of everyday life, like you're walking the grocery store aisle, you're walking into the office building, you're at the gym class, you're um, in the school building. Do you see people? Do you see people? Do you look to see who it is that is in front of you? Because your ability to see someone else is directly connected to your ability to see God at work in their lives. You can't see what God is doing in someone if you can't see them. And so I just wonder even right now, who is the one person that maybe you are meant to just stop and slow down long enough? And they may be the most familiar person in your life, but do you see them? Do you see them? Now this woman comes forward in this moment and we learn in verse 33 that she tells Jesus the whole truth. I just always find that so curious. I'm like, what was the whole truth? How long did it tell you, take you to tell Jesus the whole truth? 
And we obviously don't know, but I'm sure it was about how she had heard about him and how she had this private issue and how she had tried all the things, but none of the things were working for her and she was just growing worse. But on this day, she knew Jesus was going somewhere important with important people and he was on mission and had this crowd around him, but she had this one thought. She had this one thought that maybe today could be different from all the other 12 years before that of suffering. And so from this one thought, she just reached out and she grabbed hold of his hem and she experienced something like she has never experienced, even though she's just a woman. And Jesus, you know, he turned and he looked to see her and then he spoke truth into her. Because after she tells him the whole truth, his response to her is the words, daughter, your faith has healed you. Your faith has healed you. Your faith. And there's such a collision point in this story because there's the whole truth that she had, which if, she, if I, I know in my own life, I can think a whole lot of stories are true that aren't actually true. And so my narrative may not actually be accurate a lot, amen? But then there is her, then there is the real truth that's spoken in this moment when Jesus says, daughter, your faith has healed you. Now that's truth. And so there's such a collision in this moment between this. Now what I find so interesting is that what we read earlier in this story is that she had felt that she had been freed from suffering. She had felt it in her body. So why would Jesus pull this woman out of this whole crowd to tell her she had been freed from suffering when she already knew what she experienced? It just doesn't seem to make sense to me that it would be merely to tell her what she already experienced and felt in a different moment. But it's because of what he called her. See, the nameless woman is called daughter because on his way to heal Jairus' daughter, who was 12 years old and sick, there was another woman who needed to know that she was daughter after 12 years of suffering. It's the only time Jesus ever uses this word, daughter, and it is over this nameless woman who walks away so pronounced by the truth of who she is and so in this moment, you know, he, he didn't call her back to tell her what she knew. He called her back to tell her who she was, that you were daughter. And as daughter, you don't need to retreat out of here. You don't need to hide because as a child, this was yours to take. This was your rightful inheritance as a child in God's kingdom. And so you are rightful in what you took hold of, the healing and wholeness. And by your faith, you are healed. And so he releases over her this word of truth that declares to her in the very core, this is who you are. And so when I think about, okay, what does it look like to be intentional relationships? And I'm an everyday kind of person. I'm like, how does this make sense in my real life? And what I think is I've got to be someone and we've got to be people who turn, who aren't so focused, but will turn. And we've got to be people who see, who aren't too busy to see, who aren't too hurried through life to not see the person who's in front of us. And then we've got to be people who speak words of truth and life into someone else that says, because of seeing you, this is who you are. This is who you are. 
Not words that match the experience or speak to the emotions or or tell what someone knows, but words that elevate someone else's life. That because they carry the spirit of God in them, they're speaking the core of, hey, this is what God is saying to you. I know all these other things are happening, but I need you to hear that this is who you are, that ground us in truth in Jesus and in the life he's called us to. And so it's words that say you are not your struggle and you're not your addiction and you're not your shame and you're not your, your past, you're not your sin, that you're a son and you're a daughter. And because you're a son and a daughter, you carry a destiny and you carry a future and you carry a purpose. And I know right now that I'm might be really hard and that stuff is really real. You're walking through and pain is intense, but I want you to know because I see you, because I turn to you, that God has such a plan over your life and today isn't the end of that plan, that there's a full story from this moment on and there's a purpose and a passion and a call God has on your life and I'm going to walk with you through this, but we're going to get into a different season together because God's not done in your life. There's more and better and full days of his spirit ahead. And that's what we get to do. That's what we get to do. It is such a call and it's such a privilege that people who are full of the Holy Spirit are commissioned to go out in our everyday lives and and say, I'm going to turn and I'm going to see you. And so I'm going to speak prophetic words of truth and life that elevate you higher than your circumstances of this moment. And I want to tell you a quick story as I wrap up about a moment that God just sealed this for me of what this means, not on a Sunday morning, but what this means in just my real life of the day in and day out. And it was years ago, I don't honestly remember when it was, but for parents in the room, you will understand, um, because it was in the season, well, first off, I had one kid, and so I'm like, it was the simple days, you know what I mean? Two hands, one kid, that is simple days. It didn't feel simple at the time until now I have three kids and two hands, and that is complex. But at the time, it was pretty simple, and my sweet child that I had, it was the tiny little blip of an era where she would so happily go in the grocery cart. You know, it's like, it is a blink of an eye and it is gone, but it was in this time. And so like I did all the time, I took her grocery shopping on this uh, regular day. And we were living in um, Orlando at the time. And so I popped her in at my Super Target. I went to Super Target to grocery shop every single week. And I popped in my sweet Eloise into this grocery cart and I go to head into the Super Target. And as I do... I notice this woman next to me, and she is limping in. She has, like, her foot is in that high-heeled position, and she's just limping in to me. And I found it interesting because, on one hand, uh, she looked very fit and, and athletic, and so you could tell, well, I think something has happened. And in the moment, I also just had this sense of, I think God is highlighting her for me. I just had this sense. And in fact, deep in my spirit, I just sensed God say to me, I want you to pray for her. I want you to pray healing over her. And so all of a sudden, I have this choice to make of do I turn? Do I turn? Now, I'm a real person, and so I take my grocery cart and start 
pushing it through this thing because then I let the other thoughts come in too, right? So then it's like, well, but like, did I really hear? And I don't know. I mean, does I have Eloise? Like, we're just going to grocery shop. I'm just minding my business today. And I, this, yeah, this is why I came here. And so I'm pushing through this grocery, uh, through Target. But obviously at Target, you do not just go for groceries. And so there are about five other departments I had to hit up first. And so I'm going through all these different areas and and I'm internally battling of really the question is do I turn do I turn I see I recognize right but Jesus didn't just recognize he turned away from his what he was doing and so the question was well do I turn and as I'm wrestling with God through this of what this is going to look like and mean and all the things I continued to see her and so I'm like, in, internally, I'm like, oh, one more time. So I, you know, the house aisle, the beauty aisle, the clothing aisle, shoe aisle, whatever, all the aisles. And I'm running into this woman, and she's just doing her thing limping through. And I am having this whole dialogue in the inside about what God is telling me. But what I look back, I'm like, oh, I saw her so many times because you wanted me to see her. You wanted me to see her, God. And so the more that I saw her, my discomfort with the moment started to get smaller and smaller. And I became uh, much more connected to a woman who was in a lot of pain. And I saw her. as a woman in a lot of pain in the middle of a store who's probably wrestling through a lot. And a sense that I think God is asking me to do something here. And so I finally got to the point that I was like, If I see her one more time, I will pray. I will. But it is okay if she has left the building, Jesus. Next time. I can always do it next time. You know what I mean? Um, And so sure enough, there in the vegetable aisle, I run into her, and I'm like, it's happening. And so I went up to her, and I'm like, hi, my name is Caroline. I, I, I was just here, and I just had such a sense that God wanted me to pray for you. I saw you limping in. I've seen God heal before. And I was just wondering, um, could I pray for you? And I'll never forget, she immediately exhaled. She goes, I've tried everything. I've tried it all. I've been to all the doctors. I've gotten x-rays, acupuncture, chiropractor, all the things, physical therapy. Nothing is helping, and I cannot seem to get better with what is going on. And I was like, "If I would love to pray for you. And so she's like, yes. I'm like, okay, here we are in the vegetable aisle. And so I have Eloise in the card, and um, I start praying for, um, I, I, I ask her, you know, it's always good to ask, could I put my hand on your foot and pray. I really have seen God do this. And so she said, yes. And so I I just prayed the simplest prayer. Jesus, would you just bring healing to this woman? Would you just heal her? God, would you just bring healing and wholeness in Jesus' name? Amen. And, um, And I got up and we were talking and she wasn't instantly healed in that moment. And I have seen God do it in an instant. But there's always this level of discernment of, God, what are you saying and what are you doing? And I I sensed that there were just such words he wanted her to hear. And so I looked at her and I just started to remind her that God sees her in the middle of her pain. That she isn't alone and this isn't hopeless. And that even when it feels like you can't see what God's doing, he's not done. And I'm just really believing with you that God is going to bring healing and wholeness over your life. 
And then she left. She left, and, and that was it. And, and I finished my grocery shopping, and I left as well. And I walked, I got back in the car, and I'm driving home, and I'm just so undone by the honor and gift it is that in the most ordinary of my life on this regular grocery run, that God would intersect my life with someone else's. And that through teaching me what it means to turn and to see that real words of truth and life were spoken over her, that go with her out of that target into the rest of her days in life. And I think, isn't that just the joy and the honor that we get to be a part of? full of God's Holy Spirit, on mission with him to go love and see and speak words of truth into others. Um, I was telling Mark about the story when I got back. I was so fired up. And so I come in. I'm like, you will never believe this. And I'm telling him this whole story. I'm like, and then, um, you know, I, I get down and I'm praying for her. And he's like, wait, wait, wait just one second. Um, so you're saying that Eloise was in the grocery cart and you were eyes down praying for this woman? And I was like, yeah, yeah, I was like, so amazing. And he's like, okay, could we just like settle this now? So like the next time this happens, you have got to have a hand or an eye on our child, Caroline. Like you cannot turn all attention from what is actually very important in order to be focused on someone else. And I was like, that's so good. Marriage is so good for you. The blind spots get seen. Thank you, Jesus. I'll invite the band back up. I'm going to finish up. Um, but hey, this is what it means to be intentional in relationships, is that we turn and, and, and we see, and so we speak words of truth and life into one another. And I want to challenge you what this looks like in all areas of your life. When is the last time you sat down in your marriage and you just looked at your spouse and said, I just hear God saying these words over you? Or to one of your children, you know, putting them to bed tonight, just pausing for that extra 60 seconds and listening and saying, this is what I hear God saying about who you are. And then I think into your regular life that you go from here, meaning Monday morning, tomorrow, who's before you? Where's the opportunity? Where's that sense that God is asking you to turn and to see I want to leave you with this final scripture. Um, I just really sense this for Grace Marietta as a, 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 something to just leave you with as I, I end. It was words that Jesus told his disciples when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane. I just really sense God on it. Um, you know, Jesus was having this moment on the night he was betrayed where he was, uh, he was wrestling with God about the cup and would you take it and, and not my will but yours, God. And the disciples just could not stay awake. They just couldn't stay awake. And he said these words to them in Matthew 26, 38. He came back and they're asleep. And he said, remain here and keep watch with me. Remain here and watch with me. And when we talk about relationships, I think some of our gut instinct is to be like, well, I just need some new ones to try better on. Well, you don't. You actually just need the ones you have. You need this community. You need your, um, your family. You need your friendships. It's remain here until God says not. Remain here and keep watch with me. Meaning eyes open, but awareness up. 
with him. Everything is such an invitation with God. We're drawn in to, he invites us to participate with him. And so I just wonder what it looks like in your here and now to keep watch with him so that every ordinary moment of your life carries the possibility to be an extraordinary moment of encountering God in other people's lives. So that all the ordinary have potential because we remain and we keep watch, eyes open, looking around, willing to turn, ready to speak and to see someone for who they are. I'll invite you to stand and we'll enter back into worship. Maybe just listen in for a minute. I wonder if there's someone God's even highlighting. Like I said, sometimes familiar can keep us from that awareness. It could be someone you think you know really well, or it could be someone you don't know. We just wonder if there's someone God wants you to turn and to see and so to speak. And Holy Spirit, I, I do just pray that you would wake us up and you would keep us so aware to where you are moving and working in our everyday lives, God. I pray that there are stories and moments and encounters of turning from what we think is a task in the moment to see what God is up to. And that you would open our eyes to see people and God, that we would be people who just breathe life into dry bones. We don't even know where the dry bones always are, but God, your words of life they prophesy into places that need it most. And so Holy Spirit, would you come and stir us up and send us forth to just see people and love them. And so speak your words of life and blessing into them. In Jesus' name, amen.